0: about the ability to adapt and change perspective in a world that is constantly changing. Robert Overvech, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us today from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Amsterdam is one of my favorite European cities, so I'm super jealous that you uh, get to be there in the lovely weather. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about the ability to adapt and change perspective in a world that is constantly changing. And I mean, man, the swirl of uncertainty and messiness and ambiguity and complexity in the world, uh, right now, I, I mean, the world has always been that way, I suppose. But it seems like the pace of change is accelerating. It seems it seems like we have to be even more ready to be adaptive, more ready to be constantly changing in our organizations, in our leadership approach and style, as we strive to have successful, healthy organizations and bring value to the market. So that's what we're going to be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share. Robert's bio with everybody. Rob is the founder of the Adaptable Mindset Program. He and his team empower people to develop their own adaptable mindset, to develop mental flexibility, learn how to create mental space, and to find new possibilities. In our rapidly changing world, we keep feeling the impact of unprecedented events to which we have to adapt. Robert teaches how adaptability is about empowerment and finding new perspectives. The Adaptability Mindset Program has been applied at several Fortune 500 companies, multiple SMEs, and innovative schools. They have also supported over 1,000 students and solopreneurs with their online program. Robert has over a decade of experience in innovation and digital transformation with clients like Vodafone, Liberty Global, and eBay, Heineken, and others, and a variety of startups and innovative schools. And I could go on and on and on. Robert, what a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or context before we dive on in further?
1: Well, it's already been way too long about me. So maybe let's keep it at this, John. All
0: right, well, wonderful. You have a wonderful background. And again, it's a pleasure to be with you. And let's go ahead and frame this out. I I provided a little bit of an introduction just as we were getting started today. Uh, But tell us a little bit more about your framing perspective around change. Um, I think most people, human nature is that most people don't like change. Most people like comfort and stability, or at least the perception of such. And and so how do you approach the general uh, framework of change and adaptability?
1: Yeah, 100%. So what we encounter is that most people are resistant to change, and sometimes they can voice that they do want it, but then subconsciously sabotage it or, or reject it. Um, what we also notice is that not a lot of people still have the ability to think for themselves. You know, because we are so lived by our social media, by the news, because our work is very compartmentalized. You know, we don't really need to think a lot. At least that's sort of what it has come down to. Um and and yeah, and then what we experience is that uh everyone has due to their environment, due to their upbringing, due to all the things that I just mentioned, people have their own frame of mind and that frame of mind that defines how you perceive and how you experience the world. It's like whether you notice it or not, it's the case, so one of the first things that we always do is look at what drives people, what sparks your imagination, you know what makes you curious. And then look at how we can bring more of that into your life, into the lives of teams that, no, we just work more on our imagination. We work on expanding our frames of mind by exposure to, you know, art, philosophy, nature, you know, the things that have always pushed humanity forward and doing that as a collective and by inviting people to also bring their ideas and their inspiration. So we are continuously... Expanding our frame of mind, I'm expanding your frame of mind. You are expanding mine, and so it's both an individual and um, <clears throat> excuse me and a collective experience that that we dive into. So that is one important aspect. And the other aspect is that you know very few people now have mental space, and you you need mental space to come up with the big ideas. We see a lot of people a lot of organizations as well, they just work very iteratively. You know, um, it's always, the innovation always happens in, in, in one quarter. It's, so it's the more of the, yeah, a simplistic way of looking at the world. So and we create more space so we can also come up with larger visions, larger ideas, bigger innovation, because, you know, if you're not doing that, then maybe your, your competitor is. Um, so, yeah, these are, two important aspects, so the creating space and making sure you are inspired, making sure you are constantly challenging your own frames of mind um, and to put so many things and perspective in that you'll always be able to find a solution. You know, you create such a large latticework of ideas of things that just connect to each other and then you create space so new things can can flourish and can emerge out of that. Yeah, I think these are the, the two yeah. things. Important aspects.
0: So, so let's talk a little bit more about creating space. Uh, what are some sp- specific ideas around how we can go about doing that? Because, again, I think everyone says, yes, we need to be adaptable, we need to innovate, we need to be able to change. I think most people would say, yeah, this is important. I'm committed to it. yet where the rubber meets the road when we actually get into implementation, it very rarely goes well. Uh, it's very difficult to get buy-in and to get people really committed to the change. And so even the best laid plans tend to you know more often than not fail. Um, and so creating that space is is so essential to. Create the found work and the, you know, the, the groundwork and the foundation for everything else that's going to come. So let's talk a little bit more about that and how we can start to set that up.
1: Yeah, so an ideal space for me would be where we invite people and ask them what they find valuable. Because what you often see is that change is pushed from, uh, from top down. Um, but people like the global average engagement with organizations with work is 20%. So people, they don't give a damn. And then you're asking them, hey, now we're going to work data-driven. Yeah, but I'm not a horse. I don't want to be driven by anything, right? I'm not a car either. Maybe I want to be informed by data, but people aren't being asked what they want. They are not comfortable with, with change. They're not comfortable even in their work. So first we need to create space for that. Then we also need to be conscious of how people are doing, you know, if they're inspired, if they have the room to, To explore, to fail, to work on their imagination. Because often in organizations, people experience, also in the world, especially in in the current state that it is, if you experience a lot of stress, especially uh, severe stress, your thinking brain, your rational thinking brain can be reduced to just have 20% capacity left. Yeah. Good luck doing innovation and change in, in that, right? It's like doing innovation and change on hard mode. So. Would also be wise to better be better able to, to deal with stress, change your relationship with it. Um, you know, celebrate the um, yeah the, the the small steps going towards your goal. Celebrate the uncertainty and, and the ambiguity. Train yourself to be okay with the uncertainty and ambiguity through exposure to it. Um, and then, of course, we've got more practical things like don't have your laptop phone um, um, constantly pushing messages into your face, which for most people is how it works. Try to have, not try to have, have less meetings. You can also align through through text, through forums, through voice, through like asynchronously. Like a lot of the innovative companies work in different ways uh, where a lot of stuff is more written and Yeah. And they have just less alignment
0: and just recognizing everyone's uh, meeting people where they're at, because everyone's coming at this from, you know, different life experiences, different organizational experiences. Some people may be really ready to just jump on board with change initiatives or new innovations, um, because they've seen it done successfully in the past. Others will be incredibly cynical and, and, uh, put up a lot of barriers uh, to be able to do it. And so, you know, not making assumptions, meeting people where they're at, creating the space so they can ask questions, ask the why behind what's happening so that, you know, people want to know that it's not just some arbitrary, capricious kind of a preference of a leader wanting to wholesale change something that's going to take a lot of time and effort that's not really going to do anything or move the needle. And so people want to know that. Um, So we need to be able to communicate effectively and create that space i think all that and and, yeah.
1: and if you make people part of those conversations and and part of those decisions right that you do it more collaboratively i think that is a more logical way forward um, because otherwise you get the not invented here syndrome or you know uh, that if you don't do it in that way then people will be more yeah uh, negative towards towards the change but if you include them and make them feel that they are heard and they should be because most of the time your workers are closer to the fire. They're closer to the consumer than someone, um, you know, high up in leadership. It's very logical.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you've already referred to it just a little bit, but let's talk more about information overload, because I think that's a huge piece uh, of why people don't like change, why they're so resistant to change or being adaptable. And, and to your point, I mean, just being able to, to go with the flow and with the change, it's alone is going to be hard. But if you're actually trying to really innovate and come up with creative new ideas and you're in information overload, there's just no possible way that's going to happen. You're not set up for success at all. So let's talk more about how we can go about dealing with information overload, you know, not only to keep our, our sanity and mental health, you know, in check, practicing self care and such, but how, how do we do it in such a way, you know, when we have when we're bombarded by constant not only messaging on our phone or social media and such, but also, you know, like really just the constant increase in expectations um, from our organizations. It just seems like things keep piling on and on and on. How do how do we push back on that, set up reasonable boundaries so that we can protect ourselves from information overload? So we have the chance to think, you know, conceptually, strategically, uh creatively. Uh, to drive innovation and, and meaningful change. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah good points, uh, John. Uh, so first off, maybe uh, setting the scene, setting the stage a bit. If you look at um, some of the highest achievers in, in entrepreneurship or scientific discoveries, you see that all of these people had room to explore, had play space. For example, the person who laid the foundation for artificial intelligence, he was doing a lot of juggling, unicycling, um, if you if you look at the, the, the lady who um, was one of the uh, founding mothers of uh, of antibiotics, she did a lot of drawing. Einstein went sailing for four or five hours. Now, um, and even uh, for for an example, the CEO of uh, of Google. No, he starts his day without his phone, with a regular paper newspaper. Takes a few hours, does his tea ritual. People like high performers. Great innovators all create space. There's there a moment where you get the input, but there's also a moment where you, you're just being. And Edison also said, like, my inventions, I didn't make them up. No, they came to me. I just grabbed them. You know, they were just there. But if you're constantly reacting to the world, constantly reacting to messages, to things, to, to meeting requests, like, it's just not doable. So cut that off. Um, You know, put everything on on do not disturb mode. That's also how I live my life. Uh, I can't be called either. So my phone is always on silent. But I work with with these high roller agencies uh, for these organizations. But when you explain it to them, they understand.
0: Check out my new book, The Future Leader, creating and transforming next-gen organizations stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives thought leaders and scholars from across the globe the future leader will help you explore the ordinary everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work to respond to an uncertain future and to produce extraordinary results for individuals teams and organizations We look forward to having you join us.
1: A lot of people actually want to be in that space. So you could ask yourself, your team, people that you work with, you know, how would your so first off, what is working? What isn't? And then how would you sculpt your ideal life? And then you see that people say, "Yeah, well, I would actually like to have like maybe less meetings," and then someone else says it as well, and someone else said as well, and then everyone is like, "Oh, we all want it actually." but people don't speak up. people have the feeling that they maybe not really have the permission to do so. Um, so that is in the work environment, so you've got a lot of blocking things and also prioritizing things because often. We are not really aligned, especially in larger organizations where everyone is just going through the motions and, you know, trying to obtain your quarterly goals. But if you come together and look at if we work more properly together, then what are the things that we should focus on so that we can obtain our goals? And that means that we can also do a lot of things not because we're either not aligned properly enough, um, maybe we first need the data or what something else like. So yeah, we changed a little bit more the, um, the cadence and the dynamic. And the interesting thing is what you see now in decentralized autonomous organizations, in, in these DAOs, in these new types of organizations, uh, they have seasons. So you've got a season for work and you've got a season for thinking. Can you imagine that you just have a month in your organization like, no, bro, we're not doing anything this, uh, this month. We're just thinking. And when I say this to people, they're like, oh, wow could this be and like why not why not right and now you see that no we do innovation uh people have time for the passion friday for three hours i'm like oh my lord of course you only get like your incremental stuff and people reacting people burning out and of course that happens please people go to the root cause of these issues and yeah let's try to solve them together
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of just having more extended periods of time that are blocked out, uh, to be able to accomplish things and think creatively, think strategically, um, to just play with your thoughts. Uh, I, I think that's, that's an incredible dynamic. If we could build that into more jobs, into more organizations, because so many people just go from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, some, you know, a lot of it's meetings, but a lot of it's just like reports or, or whatever. And I think so much of that can be pruned back, Uh, how much of that is actually necessary? Uh, They're relics of the past. They're they're things that have just been built up over time. It's like an overgrown garden. Over time, it just grows and grows and grows and you add more and more things. And pretty soon you're just overwhelmed, just trying to take care of everything. Uh, Sometimes you just kind of need to prune everything back, just like get your weed whacker out, cut out most of the stuff. It's not important anyways. It doesn't really matter. It's not adding value. And once you do that, it's much more manageable. And then you can actually do, you you can redesign things. You can can look at the aesthetic and decide if this makes sense or or whatever. There's so much possibility when we start to prune back. Um, So I love your ideas around that. A a related idea. And I know something that you do work on is around the 40 hour work week. um, This relic of the past uh, and again, you know, if, if we look at the industrial revolution and we, we talk about, you know, the assembly line and factories and, and the, the, the modern workday, like all of that came out of that time. And in part, it was at the time protections for workers because they were being worked crazy hours. And so, and, and people like Ford um, recognize that people can only be productive for so long. And so they start to create you know, mechanisms and structure around the workday, all of that then, I mean, that's 100 plus years ago, like, all of that has continued on to today, when we have a completely different kind of economic structure, economic activities, different types of work, different types of jobs. And so the, the 40 hour week, or the 50 or 60 or 70 hour week that many people work, it, it just doesn't even make sense. So tell us more about, you know, your thinking around that and, and how you advise clients and organizations you work with around how to structure their work um you know maybe you have to work 60 hours in a week in a given week but but just to have this like standard like 8 to 5 or 9 to 5 or whatever kind of an expectation in the modern world doesn't seem to make much sense to me
1: yeah correct yeah i think the that it's such an archaic model that yeah but but it keeps being around and it keeps influencing us but you know i'm all for hard work and i'm all for doing a lot of work putting in a lot of hours i do it as well but as long as it it's done in the sane way as long as it aligns with the things that you want to do that give you energy um as long as because we know that if people who work and if they are matched to 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 what they are intrinsically motivated towards, you get a higher creative and innovative outcome. We see this from research. It's not rocket science. Everyone knows it, but who is optimizing for that, right? I think like almost no organization does that. It's just, hey, who's available? Oh, Pete is available. Okay, Pete will do it. Um, Or Pete has a label of uh UX designer or whatever uh, his role is. And then he does that. But I think... I think that that no longer works because I see large organizations, like every four, five, six years, they have this dramatic change offensive, and everyone now needs to learn. But learning should like be part of your daily ritual. There should be space to continuously learn, because in, of course, you'll get ahead in that way. And I think these these, yeah, these are large, tsunami-like initiatives. They don't really work. So, what if we would all take a little bit more space to to explore? Because what we also see in organizations when you ask them, "Hey, um, can we come up with a beautiful user experience for for a new customer-facing portal?" and people come up with um, with inspiration from Amazon, because that's the only thing they know, right? <laughs> it's like there, there's so few little time to to explore to. Yeah, to experiment um, and also to make it a bit more um, almost rebe- more rebellious. So uh, not only do I think like the 40-hour work week makes no sense. Also, I think most people should have multiple jobs. Should have, why don't you work for three companies? Uh, you will always be be learning from many different domains. You can cross-pollinate your brain. You can You know, learn from different cultures, learn from different people. That's how you learn in life, right? By exposing. It is, yeah. But no, we are just working for five, six, seven, eight, ten years in the same company. And, you know, your soul is being crushed more and more. It doesn't work, guys. (laughs) We've seen that it doesn't work. And you see now with these DAOs, with these decentralized autonomous organizations, people are in multiple organizations, right? And and that's how they work together. It's more like people organize, organize themselves around the work. Instead of that, you know, we have people ser- sitting at certain positions and they get to work, but they don't have any time to learn. So it's like continuously you know, explaining to your uncle, you know, how technology works. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's sort of how I see it.
0: I hope yeah, that's- I, I love that idea. And you, you, you pose the question, well, why, why don't more organizations try to accommodate this or even promote it? And my experience is that a lot of organizations, they're, they're simply fearful, like it's self-protective, like they're fearful of sharing their talent with other organizations. So they have non-compete clauses uh, or they, they, they want to squeeze every last ounce of productivity out of their person, you know, recognizing that, yeah, maybe they'll burn out in a few years, but we're going to get everything out of them. We can yeah, in, yeah. in the meantime, and, and, you know, they don't recognize the stupidity of that. And how limited that kind of a framing is, mm-hmm. and I think about, for example, the the, the traditional forty-hour week, or in you know in the in the US at least, you know, the average is really more like in the mid fifties, and so you know people are just working more and more hours. Um, and during the pandemic, it actually got worse. People are commuting less, but they're spending more time working, and so there's just more and more being piled on. And people are burning out. It's a big part of why people are leaving jobs and or reassessing their careers and deciding to go into gig work or to consulting or hanging up their own shingle and starting their own company. Uh, all of this is connected, and it's it's because the, the the way work has been designed in many organizations is simply it, it's not it's not sustainable and it's not uh, optimized for the modern world. Uh, and no, so we a... we. We need to make adjustments. Otherwise, we're going to, to fail. Certainly we're not going to be innovative, but we're going to have a hard time even attracting and retaining good people in the first place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not conducive to the human soul, to, to human natural creativity. Because human natural creativity, it synthesizes from everything in the world. But no, we compartmentalize everything. And, and you know, and and there's such a large distance between people and and the things that they want to do. So yeah i fully fully agree with with uh, with the points that you made
0: yeah and there's even research I mean fairly recently from out of Harvard Business Review and MIT various places that are suggesting you know this forty hour week uh, and that's forty hours is is way less than a lot of people work and so suggesting that the forty hour week is what is too much that we need to scale that back um, a lot of research suggesting you know trying to work eight hours in a day the human Mind, especially in creative kind of knowledge work, can't function at high capacity for that much time. And so, really, people are only productive, you know, a couple hours a day. And so, what are we spending the rest of our time doing? We're going through mindless meetings, just churning through stuff, doing mindless reports, Mm -hmm. um, things that don't really take much of our thinking. uh, And is that actually adding value? And the answer is no, it's not really adding almost any value. Uh, So, why do we do it? Why can't we? Prune those back. Uh, spend more time doing what matters. Be more creative. Be more innovative. And the example you gave a minute ago of you know the organization saying let's be creative, let's be innovative, come up with a new solution. What what do most people do? They just look out to the competitors and say what are they doing? Let's copy them. Yeah. <laughs> That's not oh, innovation. That's not, disrupt- That's not disrupt. That's not disruptive, right? It's just it's just copying. And and we can do better than that. Humans have an, a a high capacity for creativity. Uh, And we just need to get out of our own way. Well, Robert, it has just been a real pleasure talking with you. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go. It's evening there for you in the Netherlands. And so I'm sure you have plans with uh, friends or family and and go eat some nice dinner. Uh, Before we wrap up for today, though, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you and find out more about your work and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, perfect, John. Thank you. Um, So yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn where we can uh, continue the conversation on Robert, O-V-E-R-W-E-G or find us on adaptablemindset.com. We've got a lot of uh, stuff written out how to put more adaptability, openness of the mind in organizations. We also have a free masterclass on how to create mental space also within organizations. And um, yeah, what would be a nice thing to leave the listeners with Yeah, I think a lot of the things that we talked about, you know, a lot of them are common sense. And I think if you just, you know, um, take a step back, that's often a good idea and sort of look at your surroundings, environment, work uh, and see, you know, what is really supportive for openness of the mind? What is really supportive for mental space and, and imagination? And if there there is little things there, then, you know, you know what works for you so you can start doing that then just ask your teammates you know what works for them and just start working on that. it's that simple it's that simple action
0: and recognizing that one size just does not fit all <laughs> and so we'll and stop, trying to, uh, yeah, yeah, stop trying to yeah stop trying to to pound the square peg through the round hole you know um, yeah, we can be more more uh, adaptive well wonderful robert it has been a pleasure Uh, I I really encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Robert and his team can do for you. Let's get more creative. Let's get more innovative. Let's get more adaptive to change. Uh, That's all around us. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.